morning. Everybody hear me okay? All right, please turn to Psalm 67. <clears throat> Psalm 67. Uh, and as you turn there, I just want to really uh, briefly introduce what we're going to be talking about. So um, we have, um, there's this uh, Spotify station called Lo-Fi Hip Hop Instrumentals. And I listen to it when I read or clean or anytime I, I need to not pay attention to the music and focus on what I'm doing. And the reason that I do that is because it's really, really basic stuff. It's basically a drum beat, some kind of sound sample, a bass line, and it just repeats itself over and over and over again. It's just the basics of music. There's no lyrics. There's no complexity. There's no instrumental breakdown or anything like that. It's just basics. And so uh, that's really what, uh, what we do at Waiehu Community Church in Maui, Hawaii. Um, and we have been, for the beginning of this year, going through what are the basics of the Christian church? What are the, the foundation, foundational principles on which we operate? And so we have five core values that we like to identify as our foundational principles, and we've been going through that. And I, we just wrapped it up, and I, I covered the last one, which is mission. Uh, and mission that engages the world. And so every year we want to kind of at the beginning of the year refocus our energy on are we, are we living up to these principles that we see in Scripture as, as the things that identify what the New Testament church is and what the New Testament church is supposed to be doing. And so we are recovering that right now. And, and uh, Phil is gracious enough to, to tell me that I didn't have to come up with some new sermon, but that I could... Uh, I could uh, you know, use something that I preached at uh, Waiahu Community Church actually last week, and so um, uh, I I just want to I think that we're very similar churches. Um, we are not fancy in Maui. We meet in a, a elementary school cafeteria. Uh, we are uh, fewer in number than you are, uh, although it seems like we have more kids somehow. Um, <laughs> And uh, we're just simple, basic, uh, nothing fancy. And uh, praise the Lord um, that, uh, that we, are, we have the same God and, and we have the same word that, that benefits us both. And um, So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Psalm 67. Um, and uh, just so you guys are aware, I got clearance to wear my Aloha shirt. This is... Uh, I didn't know if it would be kosher here, but it is apparently. And so uh, the only difference in, in what I'm wearing today and what I would be wearing in Hawaii is that I have shoes on today. Um, it's too cold to, to go barefoot or wear flip-flops. Um, so thank you again for having me here this morning. Psalm 67. Uh, this is to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. And that introduction is important, and we'll, we'll cover that later. Verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. I'm going to pray for us one more time. Father, we pray that you would be with us now as we consider 
uh, this prayer, this song, this song, and how it was used and how it is applicable to us today and the truths in it regarding your character and your disposition towards the world. And I pray that you would strengthen me now with the, with the power of your spirit to speak only truth and that you would strengthen uh, all of us to listen to your word and that we may apply it to our lives uh, to your glory. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to do a brief text overview. And, and so we're going to do two points. Two points so that you can understand kind of the overview of this psalm. The first point is God blesses his people. So if you're going to be taking notes, that's the first point. God blesses his people. And the second point is the nations are called to respond in praise. So very, very simple. God blesses his people. And the nations are called to respond in praise. God blesses his people. The nations are called to respond to that in praise. So let's just go through this this psalm. Verse 1. It begins with, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Now this is, I cannot stress enough how important it is for you to know that this psalm is almost a direct quote, parts of it are, almost a direct quote from another part of the Old Testament. In, in the, uh, the, the, the Numbers, Numbers, that's a, an Old Testament book at the beginning of the Bible. It's a historical account of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt and, and wandering through uh, the wilderness on their way to the Promised Land. And this is a direct quote from a blessing that the Lord instructs the priest Aaron to say to the people of Israel. So I'm going to read that. This is Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord spoke, and this is verse 22. I'm going to, I'm going to be jumping through the Bible a lot, and I'm, I'm going to try to cover a lot of ground, so I'm not going to give you time to get there. I just want you to write these references down so you can seek them out later, okay? So uh, Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So this psalm is a psalm and a song. Why? Because it was written for the occasion of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was an annual feast. The Jews were to come together and celebrate the consecration of the tabernacle. You all know what the tabernacle was. It was the tent that was put up before that it traveled with the people of Israel through the, through the wilderness before there was a temple, and God would send his presence down to tabernacle, that is a verb, to tabernacle with, to dwell with, to have his presence with his people. And so this, this psalm was written to be a celebration psalm of the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tents, the tabernacle. And so this is a, a direct alignment. This is on purpose. The psalmist is writing this to celebrate God sending his presence presence down, uh, cloud by day, fire by night, to his people in the wilderness to guide them and to save them. And so that's, it's vital that we understand that. It was probably to be sung at the Feast of Tabernacles. So we see, may God be gracious to us and bless us. And he continues, and make his face to shine upon us. And this is a common theme through the Old Testament. So in, in the, in the, uh, Scripture we just read from uh, Numbers, 
uh, 6.25, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. And then he repeats it in just different terminology in verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Those are two very similar things. The Hebrew is a really complex language, but those are, those are saying basically the same thing. The Lord display himself, the light of his face, his countenance, lifting up his countenance on you. That's, it's a very similar thing. It's a theme that we see throughout the Old Testament. We see it just alone in the Psalms. So for instance, Psalm 4, verse 6, lift up the light of your face upon us. Psalm 89, 15, uh, blessed uh, are, are the people who know the feastal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. Again, this is pointing to the blessing being central to the Feast of Tabernacles. And what is always being pointed to here is is the cloud by day, the fire by night that dwelled over the tabernacle. And this is a quote from the blessing uh, at the consecration of the tabernacle. The song was to be sung at the Feast of Tabernacles. This light, this shining, this, this, it points clearly to the fire of God that dwelled over the tabernacle, leading the Israelites through the wilderness. So let's continue. Verse 2. That your way, so he says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your, ser- your saving power among nations. So there's a frequent connection between the light of God's face and the salvation that he brings. So just, just for instance, in the Psalms, Psalm 31, 16, make your face to shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. So we see your face is shining Save me in your saving love. Psalm 80, verse 3. Restore us, O God, and let your face shine, that we may be saved. So there's this correlation throughout the Old Testament of God shining the light of His face, revealing the light of His face, lifting up His countenance on His people, and His delivering salvation. There's this correlation between the light of God's face and the salvation of Israel. And it's repeated in Psalm 80 in verse 7 and verse 19. It's repeated, let your face shine that we may be saved. Let your face shine that we may be saved. So we continue. How how else is God blessing his people? Verse 4, this is the end of verse 4. He says, for you judge the people with equity. And this is seen not as a bad thing. So when we think of judgment, we think of, we think of a judge, a holy judge, we think of it as a bad thing. But the Israelites would have seen this, and you really should see this as a good thing. Having a holy and righteous judge means that, that unrighteousness and unholiness and injustice does not prevail, but the just God prevails. The holy judge of the universe will put an end to corruption and unrighteousness. That is a good thing, and we see that repeated throughout the Psalms. So Psalm 58, 11, mankind will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. It is a blessing that there is one who will not allow evil to go unchecked. It is a blessing that there is one who will reward righteousness and punish the wicked. Not only does he bless, bless his people by judging the people of, of the earth with equity, but he blesses his people by guiding the nations on the earth, as we see in verse 4. And it says, and guide the nations on the earth. So this is a similar tone to verse 2. That your way may be known. So the character of this Lord, this Yahweh, this God, is being revealed not only to Jews, but, all, but, but also to all nations. So... The way of the Lord is being made known 
over the earth. That is a blessing. We also see a blessing in verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. And this is, this is pointing to blessings for obedience in, in Leviticus. So in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 and 4, it says, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. So what this, this uh, Levitical... Uh, Promise is saying is that if you obey, I will bless. If you obey, you will have produce. If you obey and honor me, you will see you'll be blessed in your crops. So this is this is pointing to uh, blessings for obedience. There is a blessing. And again, verse six, the end of verse six, it says, "God, our God, shall bless us." So this psalm, a song. It was written for the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is, so, so Hebrew poetry, Hebrew music is very, very different from our music. So, but in our music, you have things like choruses and verses, and then you have a refrain, right? This would be kind of the chorus of the psalm, the thing that's repeated, the thing that's emphasized. God, our God, shall bless us. This is the bookends of the psalm. You have one at the beginning. God, may God bless us and keep us and be gracious to us. And at the end of the psalm, it's the same thing. God, our God, shall bless us. The bookends, the chorus of the psalm and the overall theme. And it's repeated again in verse 7. God shall bless us. So notice that the beginning of the psalm, it's may this happen, may God bless us. And at the end of the psalm, it is God shall bless us. There's this finality, this confidence that there is a God who judges righteously and He will bless His people for His namesake. So that's, that's it. Point one, God blesses His people. Very simple. Point two, all the nations are called to respond to the character of the God of Israel. So the nations are called to respond in praise. Let's, so let's go back through the psalm again and see all the examples of this. So verse uh, 3 and verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So again, we have the chorus and then we have the refrain, right? So uh, the song that we sang um, I, I, I can't remember, but there was a refrain in there, and it, it's, it's different from the chorus, it's different from the verse, but it's repeated, and it's, it's emphasized, it's bringing emphasis to a truth that we are to have soak into and permeate our hearts. And this is what's happening in this psalm, it's repeated, let the people praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. And then it's repeated again in verse, verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So here, nations and peoples, those are two different terms, but they mean very similar things. So uh, let the peoples, let the nations, that's not, not any one particular people group, not any one particular nation, but every nation, all the nations, all the ethnicities, all the races, all the countries, everyone must praise this God. And then we see, let all the ends of the earth fear him. So this is the, the, the Christian standard version says, ends of the, let the ends of the earth shall fear him. And I think that's a more faithful uh, ter- interpretation of the, the Hebrew. Um, but this is something that will happen. This is something that has been ordained. 
and not just for Israel, but for the peoples, the nations, the ends of the earth. And so I grew up 10 minutes down the road, and we used to get, uh, my grandmother uh, would give me a monthly subscription to Ranger Rick, and I think it became like Nat Geo or something like that. And I would read these articles about the islands way off somewhere, and in my mind, that was the ends of the earth. Now I live in Hawaii, and you guys are the ends of the earth. Okay, so they are, they're thinking like this crazy place off in Alabama that I've never been. I can't even conceive of what it would be like, the ends of the earth. And so what, what is being said here is Israel, uh, geographic Israel, all the places, as far as you can get from Israel, the people in those places are called to respond to the character of the God of Israel in praise and in worship. And not only in, in joy and in praise and in worship, but in fear. The nations shall fear the Lord. And that term, fear, is different than, than what we think of as fear. We think of haunted hayrides and fear factor and stuff like that. Here we're thinking honor, reverence, submission to, acknowledgement as preeminent Lord. And the psalmist says, let the nations rejoice, be glad, sing for joy. And he's not thinking a very simple, like, oh, that's nice. Like, you know how, like, if, you're, if your kids make you food, for instance, like, if my kids make me food, it's going to be like a fruit roll-up with some peanut butter in it, and you're just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just going to put this over here. That's not how the nations are to respond to the character of Yahweh. The nations are to respond They're commanded to respond in praise. They're commanded to respond in worship. They're commanded to respond in singing. They're they're commanded to respond with fear to the Yahweh who blesses His people. The Yahweh who reveals His holy character by helping and loving and being gracious to and revealing the light of His face on His people. All the nations are called to respond to that with praise. The character of God is such that when it is made known, the only possible response is awe and reverence. And specifically here, God's character, which is demanding praise from all people, is seen in how He blesses His people. God is being gracious and blessing, making His face to shine, His righteous judgments, His guidance, His causing the earth to yield fruit. And what happens when people see it is, is, in the, in the, is that their response is praise in worship. And this is a pattern in all of the Psalms. So for instance, just in, in Psalm 40, that's one of my favorite Psalms. And that's, that's a pattern. You have the psalmist, he says, he says, the Lord, the Lord has done this thing for me. And I'm not going to keep it to myself, but I'm going to tell the congregation. And not only am I going to tell the congregation, but I'm going to urge the congregation to respond by praising God. And I'm not going to stop there, but I'm going to continue to ask for more from God. And then he does that like four more times in one psalm. But what makes this psalm special is that it's not just the people of Israel, but all peoples, all nations, everyone, the ends of the earth are being called to worship God. And so the feel here is almost like jealousy. So like, you guys want the weather that Hawaii has. You look at Hawaii and you're like, I want that weather. And we look at here and we're like, we want your gas prices and, and we're paying $8 for milk and then we want your economy. 
Or for instance, like just, just imagine for a second that we did not have a controversial president. Now, around here, people tend to like President Trump. Where I'm a pastor, people tend to not like President Trump. But no matter how you feel about him, you have to say he's controversial, right? So, but what if, for a second, we had a president who, and, and no one looked at him and they were like, why is he so orange? Why is he so controversial? Why is he, like, why all these things? But their response was, was to be like, wow, he's amazing. Because as soon as he took office, all these social problems disappeared and the economy fixed itself and there was peace and prosperity and he, he spoke with eloquence and everyone loved him and, and all, and, and like the U.S. was doing amazing and all the rest of the world looked to the U.S. and they were like, we want that president. much more than we could ever imagine that actually happening. The response of the nations, the response of the peoples, the response of the ends of the earth is to look to the God of Israel and say, we want that God. That's how it should work. God's blessing of his people should draw all people, all nations to himself. God's providing gracious character should result in all peoples and nations praising him. So that's it. That's my brief overview of uh, the text. God blesses his people and the nations are called to respond in praise and worship. So understanding this text leaves us with a question that is absolutely essential to ask. It leaves us with a question, a very important question that we have to answer. What is God's blessing? What is God's blessing? Is it good circumstance? Like it says in the psalm, the earth has yielded its fruit. Are there things in your life that you can point to and say, hey, look at all the ways God has blessed me circumstantially? Is it happiness? As it says in the psalm, the nations be glad and sing for joy. Is your life a happy one? Or more so, is your life one that is so happy and so great that others look at it and they're, they're glad and they sing for joy because of how good your life is? Because that's, that's really what's being pointed to here. Is it health? There's nothing, about, there's nothing about health in this psalm, but it should be assumed, right? So if you're happy and you're healthy. So now, now listen, I know... Uh, that my life is is pretty good um, comparatively. So like on a spectrum over all the earth of, of like hard circumstances to, to good circumstances, I'm, I'm much more on this end of the spectrum. Uh, but is it so good that others would look at my life and say, wow, that dude's God is amazing. Because if, if that's what, God's blessing is, I gotta be honest, I'm not I'm not seeing anyone getting saved as a result of that. So just brief flyover view of my life, not rich, in case you were all wondering. Not rich. Very very limited in financial resources. Uh, pretty slow metabolism. I gotta work hard to not, you know. Um, kind of a bad knee, bad shoulder. I work two jobs, both of which are fairly stressful. Um, and that's, that's kind of just like normal life, right? For most people on the planet. 
So what about uh, what about you guys individually? Are you blessed circumstantially? So again, uh, in the grand scheme of things, yes, you're all very blessed. You live in Alabama, in America, in in like an economically politically stable environment somewhat, and you're very blessed. But but are you so blessed that people look at your lives and they're like, wow, we want that God? So just 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 briefly, I know of hard circumstances in this church. So. Uh, your lives are not perfect. I know of financial strain. I know of physical health issues. I know of relationship troubles in this church. So what about as a whole, though? Maybe the congregation. Um, I mean, we're, we're very similar. So my church, we meet in the um, elementary school cafeteria. Um, you guys, like, there's where's the, you know, there's, there's no stadium seating in here. There's no... Uh, like spotlight in the back that's blinding me and things like that. Y'all ain't fancy. This is just a small country church. Where's the fountain? Where's the the big foyer and the you know stuff like that? The lights. So again, you guys are are very blessed as a church. But when was the last time someone walked in and they were like, "You guys are all so rich and healthy." What must I do to be saved? <laughs> if if that's what we're if that's the blessing of God, if that's what mission is, that's how people get saved, you need to pack it up and go home right now. No one's gonna get saved because your life is good. No one's gonna want in on this church. If it's circumstance, that's what's drawing. If it's circumstance, that's, that's what reveals the character and the blessing of God. As it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So what is God's blessing? What is God's blessing? And you all know exactly what it is. God's blessing is his revelation of his salvation through Christ, the light of the world. So very, very cool correlation to John chapter 8. Write it down, read it later. John chapter 8, what's happening? They're, they're celebrating the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. And what, they, what do they do at the Feast of Tabernacles? They, they build these massive bonfires and they light them in the courtyard, and they celebrate. They, they drink, and they eat, and they dance around these massive bonfires to celebrate the, the, the tabernacle, God descending on his people in cloud and in fire and revealing his presence to his people. And at that ceremony, Jesus comes to them, and he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the ultimate tabernacle. Jesus comes to dwell with his people. Jesus comes to reveal his character to his people. Jesus comes to reveal himself, to to make his way known, to be gracious to his people at the Feast of Tabernacles. I just think it's a really cool correlation. Jesus, the light of the world, is God's blessing. And it's not just for Israel. It's for all nations, all peoples, the ends of the earth, Jesus is the light of the world. So Jesus is God's face shining on his people, the, the ironic blessing that is that was spoken in numbers and is celebrated in Psalm 67 is fulfilled in Christ. 
In Christ, God makes His face shine upon you and is gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up His countenance upon you and given you peace through Christ. Christ has come that your way may be known on earth, your saving powers among all nations. This is the blessing of God. It is Jesus. Jesus is the blessing of God. It's not that my physical life is amazing. It's that just like Israel was delivered up out of slavery in Egypt, you and I have been delivered up out of slavery to sin and death in Christ Jesus. We have been blessed by God. Not because we have everything we want in this life, but because you've been delivered from the finality of pain and death. Christ has made a way on the cross for you and for all people to be eternally blessed we have absolutely nothing to give you this morning if you are here for like circumstantial gain. That's why the prosperity gospel is so destructive. It lies about the character of God. And I just want to be upfront. If you are here this morning and you are not sure you believe the gospel, it will get you nowhere in life. It will give you nothing. But it is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. So we have, no, uh, we have no evidence to point to circumstantially to justify our response in praise and worship. But in Christ, in the gospel, in redemption from sin and death, we have the obligation to respond in praise and in worship and in awe and in fear of the Lord and His blessing in our lives. Oh, and by the way... Uh, Like, your circumstances here won't improve. Um, but you will be delivered into eternal peace uh, where God has fulfilled your greatest need. And he's fixed everything else too. <laughs> so no more financial trouble, no more physical pain, no more relationship strain. It's all fixed. You will be delivered, finally. All right, making good time. Uh, let's get to some application. So, brief overview of the scripture. God blesses his people. The people of the world, the nations, are, res- are called to respond and praise and worship. Jesus Christ and his gospel is the blessing of God. We understand what's being said in this text now. So, uh, application. Um, so, as we said, this is this is mission. This is a sermon on mission, like mission that engages the world. So, how... How do we connect all of this? Bring it in. Um, how does this psalm help us to be on mission that engages the world? Or, or more clearly, how does the character of God and his blessing through the revelation of Christ and his gospel uh, help us to be on mission that engages the world? Um, so, so first of all, first, first point of application is if, if, if you're not a believer, if you're here this morning and you're not believing the gospel, um, this is very simple. It's, it's a command in, in Psalm 67. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you. It's a command for all nations to turn from sin, to turn from worshiping anything less than God, 
to turn from worshiping false gods or things that, that fail to meet your ultimate need. Turn from sin. Be delivered from sin. Be delivered from death. And believe the gospel. Believe the truth that God is holy and you have sinned against Him and offended Him and you warrant death. You've earned uh, punishment in hell. And yet Christ has uh, been sent by the Father to live a life that you could never live, a perfect life that you could never live, to die on the cross, to offer a perfect sacrifice you could never offer. And if you believe that gospel and turn from your sin, you will be saved. You will be delivered ultimately and blessed ultimately in Christ and in eternal peace with God. So that's the, this is the first point. If you're, if you're not believing the gospel... I just, want, I just want you to hear that. Let the people praise God. So for those of you who are believers, um, how does this psalm help you be on mission that engages the world? And, and so uh, this is the first point to you if you're a believer and you're wondering, how does this help me be on mission? Uh, this is very simple. Live with a joy that makes it clear that your blessing is not in your circumstances. So that's, that's your point of, of response here, a point of application. Live with a joy that makes it clear that your blessing is not in your circumstances. Now, I just want to be clear. I pray for better circumstances a lot, all the time. I'm like driving to work and I'm like, dear Lord, please let this meeting go well. <laughs> uh, I've, and, and the Lord, you know what? He calls us to do that. You're called to pray for better circumstances. You're called to pray for deliverance from hard things in this physical life. But... Ultimately, your blessing, the thing that is your sure and steady anchor, is not how, way, how well your day goes or how well your, your physical health is or anything like that. You should live with a joy greater than that of any rich man on the planet. God has blessed us beyond circumstances. So I just want to give a brief example of, uh, of, of like who you think of as, as doing well. So... Jeff Bezos, Amazon guy, right? One of the richest dudes on the planet. Maybe Zuckerberg. He's probably listening to us right now. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook guy. Um, Michael Jordan, like rich beyond all dreams, right? But these dudes are, are their lives are marked by uh, scandal and just constant criticism. They're notoriously mean, constant legal trouble. Their lives are marked by sorrow. They have everything you could ever want. And their lives are marked by sorrow. But you, I don't, I don't think any of you are super rich, um, but you have, you have everything in Christ. And, and I'm, so I'm just thinking like, um, so... Yeah, so like the last time I preached here, it was for a funeral. Uh, and at that funeral, so you're thinking like the worst circumstances you can imagine, right? At that funeral, we're singing things like, he will hold me fast. And we're pointing to evidences of grace in our life, right? We're pointing to the grace of God. We're pointing to the joy that we have in Christ in really difficult circumstances, right? So we are striving to walk in a way that says, my joy is in Christ. And our goal is not that 
uh, people look at our life circumstances and say, I want to worship that guy's God. Our goal is, is that we walk in a way that, in which people look to our life and say, and they say, like, I want to worship that guy's God because no matter what his circumstances are, even though things are really difficult, he has a joy that I want. He has, he has a, a, a joy and, and a satisfaction that I want. That's how the, the blessing of God results in people's nations seeing and desiring uh, what we have and in responding in praise and worship. So when you face the worst possible circumstances, physically, spiritually, financially, etc., you must still say in Christ, the Lord has blessed me and made his face to shine upon me. So that's the first thing. So live, live in a way that, that uh, reveals that your joy is not in your circumstances. Um, the second way uh, you as believers are to respond this morning uh, is, um, is to know that so uh, the blessed life that results in people seeing God's goodness is just normal Christian life. So the blessed life that results in people seeing and being awestruck by God is just the, the normal Christian life. So I want, I want to maybe put this into maybe some perspective, God, who spoke the universe into existence, reveals his goodness to lost heathen through you being a good mom. Through really, really simple things in the Christian life. So, like, there's a tendency, I know, I know there's a tendency to, to think, like, especially for you young guys, there's a tendency to be like, I just got to be radical, I go all out for Jesus. I gotta be like this fanatic. And it's amazing, really, that how like the psalm isn't about how amazing Israel was. Uh, but what's central is God's character. So the psalm for the tabernacle is not about celebrating uh, the character of Israel. Or it's not about celebrating military conquest or economic superiority or, or anything in and of Israel, but in who God is and what God has done. That's what the psalm is about. And so it's not about like you being radical and being a fanatic and, and going to like some crazy place like Afghanistan or Israel. Though if you want to go to that, that's great. Let's, let's do that. But most of you are going to stay here and you're going to have a normal job and you're going to have kids and you're going to live a normal life and that results in people seeing the character of God and being saved. Don't fall into the trap of, of thinking that you have to live some extraordinary life where you, where you go to third world country or extreme aestheticism or, or anything like that. Just be faithful in Christ. So really, really funny. First uh, Peter chapter 4, Peter is writing... Um, and he says, the end of all things is at hand. So what do you think he says after that? Go get a white robe and stand outside and stare at the sky. No, he says, um, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That seems like really anticlimactic. <laughs> the end of all things. Don't eat too much. But that's, that's how he, he says, Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another as earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality 
to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And he continues giving instruction, practical instruction for the day-to-day Christian life. Normal Christian life results in uh, God's character being revealed to the world. So uh, really briefly, a couple other examples of this. John 13, 31 through 35, um, Jesus says, uh, A new commandment I I give to you, uh, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. That's a really simple thing. Just like in 1 Peter 4, it says, be hospitable. Here it says, love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples. Fight sin and walk in purity. And so in verse uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I would encourage you to read this whole chapter later, but uh, specifically in, in uh, verses 9 through 13, what you see is, is uh, Paul's command, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy and swindlers or, or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So he's saying, don't, don't isolate yourself necessarily from sinners because then you'd have to go out of the world. But he does say, I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of any of these things. So he goes through a list of sins. So if someone is claiming Christ and yet walking in sin, don't associate with that person. Because what that does is it's lying about the character of God to the world. You engage the world missionally when you are not finding joy in worldly things. You engage the world missionally when you walk in purity, when you, when you fight sin, when you refuse to gossip or get drunk or, or to pursue sexual immorality. You engage the world missionally in those things. And when you choose to partake in those things, bearing the name of Christ, you lie about the character of God. And so very simply, the normal Christian life of being obedient to Scripture, loving one another, being hospitable, being self-controlled, fighting sin, the simple, basic acts of Christian life are those that result in people being saved because it reveals the character of God. All right. um, The third thing for for you who are believers, and this is the most important response to this psalm, um, is this is a song that you must sing. This is a psalm that you must sing. So uh, not literally like walk around with a guitar and sing the song, but um, I, I want to point to the introduction of this. This is a psalm, a song, and that introduction is, is for uh, Psalm 65, 66, 67, and 68. All four of these psalms engage the nations, the peoples, all the world. These are all uh, psalms, special psalms that point to God's redemptive purpose for not just Israel, but for all of the world. And it is a psalm, a song that is to be sung. And you are to carry this on your lips. You are to carry this on your lips. Let the peoples praise God. That should be on your lips. 
You are to go forth from this place knowing that Christ, in, in John 17, says, Father, as you have sent me, so I send them. And in John 21, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He crowns his ministry on earth with the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You are called to mission. Every single one of you are called to mission. This psalm is to be on your lips. Let the people praise God. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So so you are to carry uh, the truths of the blessing of Christ in your life to to all nations, whether it's here at work, with your family here in Oxford, or whether you go abroad. And I hope that some of you will. Uh, This is a psalm that is to be on your lips You are to be singing of the blessing of God that you have in Christ Jesus and and praying and, and, and believing that what will happen is the nations will see the character of God and respond in praise and in worship. So this is, a, this is not uh, something that I, I had in my sermon uh, last week when I preached it at my church, but uh, another maybe point of application is, is for some of you, uh, uh, you know, you have on your board back there, pray, partner, go. And uh, most of you will stay here. That's good. And you should stay here, live a faithful Christian life, and lead many people to Christ here in Oxford, Alabama. And some of you will go uh, on short-term trips, um, and that is good. And uh, some of you, especially like you young guys, you young kids, uh, who are being raised up in the fear and admonition of the Lord and are, are being trained up to honor Christ, some of you are you, you should be considering uh, maybe I should be actually going to the ends of the earth to proclaim these truths. Maybe I should be taking this psalm, this song, calling people to respond to the blessing of Christ to the ends of the earth. And so one opportunity, as you're, as you're turning 17, 18, 19, maybe think about taking a break from college and coming to Maui, Hawaii. We'll put you up put you to work. You need to be looking for opportunities like that. Um, And praise the Lord uh, that we have a, I know Phil, I know your church, uh, that you guys are eager to see that happen. So parents, uh, start thinking in terms of that. Like how might the Lord use uh, my family uh, in in a way like this? So let me pray for us and um, we'll